You're listening to The Marketing Funnel Show, episode number 75. So, how do you get people from, hmm, that sounds nice, maybe I'll think about buying it someday, to, yes, I need to buy what you have now. Let's talk about it on today's pod. Welcome to The Marketing Funnel Show. I'm your host, Michelle Evans, and this is the podcast for coaches, experts, and online business owners to learn how to go from simply surviving to sold out using the power of marketing funnels. All right, let's jump into today's show. Well, hello there. Welcome back to another great week. And thank you for letting the Marketing Funnel Show be a part of your week. Hey, I've got to ask you, have you taken that moment to jump into Apple Podcasts, into Stitcher, into Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcast to leave a rating and a review? If so, send me a screenshot and I will give you a shout out. You can send it over to michelle at michellelevans.com. And I've even got a great free mini course that I will give to you called the one sentence marketing hook that will help you come up with your one sentence to hook and engage your audience into what you stand for and what you offer. All you have to do is let me know and you are in. And we are back at it today. Let's continue our series on the principles of persuasion. And these are coined by Dr. Robert Cialdini in his book, Influence. So if you missed episodes 70 through 74, you may want to start with those as I'm doing this seven-part series on persuasion, but you don't have to. You can join me here too. Because when you match up the principles of persuasion, all of them, with your marketing funnel, you can create a profit engine that attracts clients, students, and customers for years to come so that you get business results without worry. In his book, Cialdini explains that the psychology of why people say yes, you know, it's not exactly what we think. So he goes through and he, he really explains it and he talks about how to apply these principles in your everyday life. The problem is, is that Cialdini first wrote these back in 1984 and Pretty much that's ancient history at this point, right? I mean, people fundamentally are the same, but how we interact is different. And so what I've been doing in this series is really taking the the fundamental psychology principles that he uncovered in his work, and I've been applying them to how you can use it in your business. So today we're going to tackle principle number six, and we're going to apply it to your marketing funnel because it's going to make a huge difference in how effective your marketing funnel actually is for your audience and your own results. So as a quick reminder, Cialdini's persuasion pillars are number one, reciprocity. And again, this starts at episode 70. So if you miss those, you can go back and listen to them, but you don't have to listen to them before you listen to this one. Each one stands on its own. So reciprocity is number one. Number two is commitment and consistency. And that's for your audience, not for you. Number three is social proof. Number four is liking. And number five is authority. Today, we're going to talk about number six, which is scarcity. And then next week, we'll talk about number seven, which is unity. So let's dive into pillar number six, scarcity. 
scarcity, the fear of missing out, exclusivity, limited time deals, while supplies last, the first 20 buyers only, limited to four per buyer. We all know it. We've all seen it, right? From the grocery store to, to I don't know, wherever, Amazon. Where, wherever do you shop these days? I mean, my shopping habits have changed dramatically in the past past few years, but we've, it's fundamentally, all of that stuff is fundamentally about one thing. If your thing is hard to get, or if your thing is in great demand, it must be worth something. That's the bottom line of scarcity. So I'll say it again here. So your thing is your offer. So it's your product, it's your program, it's your service, it's your event, it's your retreat, you know, whatever it is that you're selling. If your thing is hard to get, or if your thing is in great demand, it must be worth something. Let that sink in for a minute because the principle of scarcity, um, <laughs> you know, you can, you can really see how it sort of interweaves with some of these other ones like authority, social proof, especially liking. You can really see how they interweave with one another. And look, in full transparency, scarcity, it's one of the principles that... <laughs> at times is kind of been cringeworthy for me. And I've struggled with the most out of all of the persuasion pillars because I've seen people so misuse it against their audience online. And you probably have seen some of this too, right? I mean, the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst. And it's kind of when I got event burnout, I need to get over myself and get back to events again. But I did have event burnout. <laughs> and, you know, when I was at this big event and the speaker was selling from the stage and, you know, having people like clap and yell out and do all this stuff. And then they make some sort of crazy offer. And there's like, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand people in the room, whatever. There's a lot of people in the room. People are crammed all over the place. It's hot. It's dark. You know, the lights are dim. Um, and the, the speakers on stage, the spotlights on that person and the speaker makes this crazy offer and, and they're like, but only the first 10 people get this amazing offer. So run to the back of the room with your credit card in hand. And I am not even joking. And if you've been to a big event where they're selling from the stage, you've probably seen this too. It's like this, this tidal wave of people just like, I don't know, they become wild animals. <laughs> They're like running to the back of the room, knocking one another over. I've seen people pushing, shoving. I've seen people tripping one another. I've even seen somebody like action hero, like jump over a table, like, like they're on some sort of action hero movie set where they're like, you know, with their butt going across the table and their feet kicking over, almost kick somebody in the face trying to get to the deal. It can be totally insane. And the emotions, the yelling, like the sweating to get this thing, the takeover people are, are really frightening. And, you know, it's like, 
they're trying to get this killer deal. And a lot of times, going to be honest with you, a lot of times they kind of rig the system and either they have people back there already who are kind of, I don't know, they call it priming the pump where they're sort of already sort of hanging out in the wings, ready to just like flood the table. So these are like people that they've paid uh, or who are on their payroll or on their team or already clients of theirs that they're like, hey, you know, go and, you know, be one of the first 10, um, you know, pretend to fill it out. We won't charge you. Like (laughs) I've seen so much of this stuff that I just, it makes me just cringe to see it. But before I got, you know, to the place where I am now, where I'm so over it, um, this stuff worked on me. And so, yeah, scarcity definitely works. And even though others misuse it, it doesn't mean that we should be scared to use it ourselves. And I sort of had to unwind myself from this and be like, you know what, even though they use scarcity that way and I don't like it and it just makes me roll my eyes and be like, you just went down about 8,000 percentage points in my um, mind. Like, I don't have respect for you right now. Um, That doesn't mean that I can't use scarcity in a way that feels good for me, right? And they have to do what feels right for them. I can't, I'm not going to, you know, run their business. But just because other people misuse scarcity doesn't mean that you and I need to misuse it ourselves. In fact, you know, when we compare scarcity with the other persuasion pillars that are out there, this one is probably the easiest and the fastest one to put in place. And it can be insanely effective when you know why you're using scarcity and how to use it without like overwhelming your audience or angering them or alienating them. And honestly, you're not going to sell anything if you don't have scarcity in your marketing funnel because people will be like, meh, I can buy it anytime. So when you use scarcity the right way, it can actually be a great gift to your audience because it forces them to make a decision. It doesn't let them just sit around and think about it for a long time. It doesn't let them go, meh, I can maybe buy it next month or the month after and have them just like sit on the struggle train. It makes them say yes or no. Uh, It makes them dive headfirst and say, yep, this feels like it's right for me or no, this is not right for me right now. And honestly, when you're sitting on the meh fence, when you're like on the, I'm not sure, I'm going to think about it. Like that's a really uncomfortable place to be when you are definitely in the yes camp or the no camp. That's a great place to be. You know which one's right for you. And either answer is okay. A yes is okay. A no is okay. And But we want our audience to choose an answer. We don't want them to be fence sitters. We don't want them to just be sitting around like just like waiting, waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for scarcity to happen, right? And, you know, we want we don't want them to be in limbo land where they're hemming and they're hawing and they're like, I'm not sure. And I know we've all been there. I've been there. I know. You know, if there's not good scarcity or if I'm just not 100% sure, I'll hem and haw forever. And, I'm, and you might as well. And that is the most awful place to be. It's just like it takes up so much energy energy and you're just like constantly thinking about it. You're like, I don't know. I'm not sure. And even when, if you do end up buying or when I, I should just speak about myself, not about you. 
when I end up buying, if I'm on the, like, if I'm on the, you know, limbo land where I'm hemming and hawing and I end up buying, I'm not really committed. So I don't really do what I should do. But if I'm definitely on the yes train, if I'm like, oh yeah, that is for me. I know that that product, that program, that service, that event is for me. I am so in and I come at it with a different amount of energy, a different amount of commitment than when I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll check it out and see. I don't do as much or, I mean, let's just be honest between you and I, I might not do much of anything. And that's, that's really a gift that you and I can give to our audience with scarcity is we can get them either in the yes camp where they're, where they're like putting their all into something or the no camp where they're putting their all into something else. So let's talk about some ways that we can do use scarcity in a way that doesn't feel yucky or sleazy or like we're, you know, I don't know, try to game the system and play on their emotions and, you know, have people running to the back of the room and knocking one another out. All right. Scarcity tactic number one. And these are not the only ones that you can use. I just wanted to choose some really well-known ones that are easy to implement. Okay. So scarcity tactic number one is only X number left. Amazon, Expedia, Land's Inn, Zappos, and Target Online all do this really well. You know, you go and you search for a perfect item that you really want. You find it and you see, ah, there's only three left. Ah! And it's usually in some big red type so that you don't miss it, right? And sometimes there's a big box around it, like a big red box. And you're just like, oh my gosh, why? Well, the short answer is because it works. But let me give you a story from Dr. Cialdini's book. So this is an experiment that was run by Stephen, I think you say his name, Warchell, Warchell, I don't know, where participants in the experiment were asked to rate the qualities of cookies in a jar. Now, you know, (laughs) how are you going to rate qualities of a cookie, right? You're going to eat it and say, yeah, that tastes really good. So some people were given a jar with 10 cookies. So they open their jar. They're like, oh, there's a bunch of cookies in there. I don't know. They might have counted them or they probably just saw that there were 10, that there was a lot of cookies. And they're like, okay, cool. And some were given a jar with just two little cookies. Like they they don't have a lot of cookies. But here's what made this, uh, this experiment interesting. Some of the people who were given a jar with 10 cookies... The experimenters took the jar back, took out eight of their cookies, and then gave those participants their jar back, which is two little cookies left. So they started out with this big pile of cookies. Then the, you know, big bad experimenter came in and took out eight of their cookies, and now they've only got two left, right? So they started out with a lot. Now they've only got a couple. And, you know, it was really interesting because the people who had their cookies taken away from them rated their cookies the best. They rated their cookies the tastiest, the most valuable in terms of cookie value, right? Like, how are you going to rate these cookies? You haven't paid for them. You didn't make them. So the only thing you're going to be like is, yeah, those are really good cookies. Well, 
the ones who had their the big chunk of cookies taken away, they were like, yes, those are the best cookies ever. They ran this study a number of times on a bunch of people, and they found out that as humans, you and I, we put so much more value on things that have recently become less available to us, right? So when you see kids fighting over toys, this is just the scarcity tactic in action. It's like all of a sudden, mine, 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 mine. Those are my cookies, right? We don't want to miss out. So we run to get our cookie before someone else can take it, right? You've probably had this experience where a hotel room that you were thinking about booking, you know, but maybe you're still kind of shopping around. Suddenly it becomes uh, booked or like suddenly it went from three left to just one left. And you're like running to get your credit card and say, no, book it for me, book it for me. And, and you, and you know what happened? Well, other people suddenly took the other rooms and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to miss out on my room. And so you jump at the offer and you don't even really logically think through it because you just don't want to miss out, right? You don't want somebody to steal your cookies or in this case, your hotel room that for some reason has suddenly become yours in your mind. And look, I've done it too. <laughs> like, you know, when you're, when you're vacation planning and you're taking a look at all of your options and you find, you know, what looks like a good deal, but you're like, ah, I'm going to keep looking around, going to think about it a little bit. And then you go back and you're like, Oh my gosh, there's only one room left at this price. I always think like, do they just know that I'm looking back here? And so they updated it. Like, are they messing with me or is there really only one room left? But I've never been brave enough to wait and have that go to zero. Um, so, you know, it works on me. And so, you know, we jump on the offer and that's why you'll see this very popular tactic used by travel sites like Expedia, Booking.com, Hotels.com, Trivago, and lots of others that show, you know, rooms are left for some hotels or certain rates or whatever, so that you feel the pressure to hurry up and book your room right now. And to play up the scarcity game, they may also indicate like how many people are currently viewing the same hotel room. So that you feel like you've got to act even faster because one of those other people might swoop in and steal your deal, right? And I've seen people using this in the online space and I always think, hmm, you know, <laughs> if, if, like I, I saw it on a site the other day, I'm not going to name the site because I thought that it was a weird way to use this. It was for a, a service, like it was for a software as a service where you could, you know, buy a subscription to their service. And I was like, really? You're, what are you saying? Is it like you have a certain number of subscriptions you're going to sell? And it was so weird because they had like, you know, only, you know, I think they had like 15 left and then they had these things in the bottom corner that were popping up saying like Susie from Seattle just bought or, you know, Helen from Helena just bought or whatever. And, and then I went back later and I happened to be looking at my phone and it still said 15 and then it started showing Susie from Seattle just bought. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is the fastest way to lose credibility. Don't use this kind of scarcity falsely. It will come back and bite you in the butt. So I'm just going to put that out there. I'm not going to name the guilty. <laughs> 
but please make sure that you don't fall into the guilty because you will lose huge, huge um, authority in your audience's eye. You will just lose credibility and authority with your audience if you use this scarcity tactic in the wrong way. But when you use it in the right way, it's a great way to make people say, yep, this is what I want. I'm going to just go ahead and do it. All right. Scarcity tactic number two is an invite only. So when 17 Hats launched, they did this invite only thing where you needed an invite to be able to purchase at their special launch price. And I can't remember if their special launch price was like a 24, 48 or 72 hour special. It was just like a really limited time deal. And I don't even know if they said what it was going to be, but it worked out really well for them. People were really talking about them. I remember people were talking about 17 hats left, right and center all over the place in Facebook groups and emails and all sorts of stuff. And so everybody was rushing to sign up to get the invite so that they could know what the deal was when it came out. And I don't know, remember like a hundred years ago when Gmail first came out and you needed an invite to get a Gmail account or when Facebook first launched and you needed to be a college student at just a handful of colleges with a college account to be able to join. Um, Why the heck would a company limit people? Well, when you know that not everyone has access to this product, to this program, to this platform, to this service, to this experience, and you do, that makes it more desirable, more special, more enticing, more like I'm in the club and not everybody can be in the club, right? It's more exclusive. It's more unique. And more often, it's much more desirable. So for example, some top-level coaches have really expensive one-on-one coaching or mastermind programs, and they really want to limit who can apply for it because they only want to work with people who've reached a certain level in their life, in their business, in you know whatever they, they work on. So you have to be invited to apply. And James Wedmore talks about this with his high-end mastermind on his podcast. And he talks about how they'll send out beautiful, you know, crafted invitation packets to people that are beautifully printed and put together. And they'll invite people to join their inner circle mastermind and how it works really, really well to drive people to apply to join. So it can be a really effective strategy when it's rolled out well to make your audience feel either part of an exclusive club, like they're wanted, or to act as gleeful early ambassadors that evangelize your brand to spread the word about what you have. So either way, you just have to be really thoughtful about how you do it. All right, scarcity tactic number three, limited time deals. Whether you have a deal of the day like Amazon or you're running a limited time promotion on a product, a program, a service, you know, or something like an event or something that you offer, a limited time deal has one big thing going for it when done right. When it's done, it's done, baby. Like it's over. That's why you see people running big specials for things like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or, you know, random days that they pick, like their birthday or Arbor Day, or I don't know, 
Taco Tuesday. <laughs> you you decide what you want to do. It's also why people run limited time launches. So with or without a discounted price, you know, it doesn't always have to be a discounted price, but a lot of times it is for a product, a program, a service, or an event. Now, for this limited time launch or limited time offer, I will say it could be a discounted uh, price, or it could be like an extra special bonus that you do. So there's a couple of ways that you can structure it. So it doesn't always have to just be money off. So you know the kind of launch that I'm talking about, right? A launch where the cart opens on day one and it closes on day three, day five, day seven, day 10, you know, whatever, however long you want to leave your cart open. And once that cart closes, it's closed. No more buying that thing until the cart opens again. So for example, Marie Forleo's B-School would be an example of this. She only opens her cart once a year and it's open for a specific period of time. And when it closes, it's closed. And that's her B-School class for the year. A lot of times you'll see people using timers on their sales page and even in their emails because they want that big emotional push with this tactic that time is literally running out on being able to join, being able to buy, being able to make a decision, being able to get this thing. And when the clock strikes midnight, no more offer. So if you decide to do this one, make sure to keep it super, super clear to your audience. You know, make sure that you have a timer, make sure that they know when that offer expires. So using a timer to count down to your offer expiring so that people know it's time to make a decision now and make sure it's in your communications, you know, be sure to keep like all that focus on time is running out, my friend, because that is really the push with that scarcity tactic. All right. Scarcity tactic number four, one of a kind. For some businesses, it makes sense to create a limited number limited time or both a limited number and limited time offer. So for example, let's say that you're offering a one-time only retreat with you to a special locale. You can only sell five spots to go with you and people have to buy before a certain date and you will never offer this again. That would be a one of a kind offer. It's something that is exclusive. It's limited and it requires your audience to make a decision if they're in or not. Back in 2014, I was at an event hosted by Michael Hyatt, and he was helping to raise funds for Stu McLaren's charity. I forget the exact parameters, but I believe people had to donate at least $5,000 to be entered for his one-of-a-kind offer. And it was this, a one-day mastermind retreat at his home with himself, Stu, Amy Porterfield, and like two or three other people um, who I can't recall who they are right now. But I remember at the time I was like, that is amazing. It was a fantastic offer. And I remember people putting bids in for that one like crazy. I, I didn't participate. I think the guy who won, I think he donated like 10 or 15,000. I can't remember. I remember being like, wow, that's a lot to just drop on a fundraiser, but good for you. That's awesome. Often these types of offers are seen as extremely valuable because it's something that no one else can buy or experience again in the same way ever. So, you know, you might not be doing a fundraiser, but you might have some one of a kind special thing that you can offer. So that might be a scarcity tactic that you can use. 
you know, I'll never do this again. All right. Scarcity tactic number five, inciting competition. So we've probably all participated in something like an eBay bid or like the Michael Hyatt example I just spoke about in the previous scarcity tactic. That is inciting competition. This taps into people's desire to own something exclusive and to be other people within a very specific bidding window. So James Wedmore does this really well on Instagram for free. Totally other side of the spectrum, right? And um, he'll run competitions where you can win things like an all-expenses-paid trip to his BBD Live event or some swag or like he just does these all the time by going to Instagram, finding his pinned post, and then um, following the instructions on it. And people go bananas to outperform one another so that they get more entries and have a higher chance to win. And it's doing things like um, taking a screenshot of his latest podcast and posting a comment about, you know, what was one takeaway that you had from it. Or, um, I mean, there's just like a lot of different, um, he'll have you tag five people who might like to listen to it. And then there's something else doing a live video. I can't remember. He, he does a whole bunch of different things and people go bananas and it's awesome. Um, James wins because more and more and more people are talking about him, are seeing his podcast, are seeing, you know, who they know, like, and trust are following him and advocating for him and talking about his event, talking about his programs. Like, it's just a win-win all around. So it's a really great way to incite competition in a fun way, in a rewarding way for everyone. And it's a great way to, you know, really benefit the entire community. And yeah, you might not be at the point of giving away an all-expenses-paid trip, but... Could you give away a call? Could you give away something smaller? Probably pretty easily, right? So let's recap this principle here. As humans, we are always drawn to things that are exclusive and hard to come by. Scarcity works so effectively because we've evolved to assume that things that are difficult to obtain are usually better than those that are easily available. Just look at any two little kids who are playing and you'll see this in action. And we don't really evolve too much as adults. (laughs) We link availability to quality, availability to desirability, right? We want things that everyone else wants, right? And in addition, we also attach more value to the things that other people are competing for. It's a phenomenon that is part of social proof. And that's why a lot of times scarcity, it just can't stand on its own. It really is interwoven with other things. Um, And there are four main or five main things that I talked about today that can trigger scarcity. There are others as well, but these ones I thought would be um, the easiest and the fastest and the most um, impactful for for us as online business owners. And you don't have to use all four. In fact, I'd suggest not using all four, but you need to use at least or five. Why do I keep saying four? You don't need to use all five, but you do need to use at least one in your marketing funnel or you will not be selling anything. You'll be having a lot of fence sitters who are saying, oh, that sounds nice. Maybe someday I'll think about it, but they won't make the decision. 
And so I really want to encourage you to think about at least one of these things that you can do. So which one works best for you and your offers? Let me know what comes up for you. Hit me up on social media or just email me, michelle at michellelevans.com. I'd love to hear from you so that together we can create a podcast that is valuable, helpful, and gets you on the road to the marketing insights you want to grow your business. All right. As you are listening to this, did you think of someone who could use these insights about the persuasion pillars? They're so powerful in building a solid business that grows with a committed audience of buyers, not just people who are hanging out and thinking about someday, right? People who want to buy from you. If so, would you do both of us a big favor and share this episode with them? It's really easy to do from whatever podcast catcher you're listening to, um, or you can just share the URL for today's show. It's themarketingfunnelshow.com forward slash 75, and your friend can listen right on my website. Also, do you want to profit without worrying your own business? You are invited to find out which marketing funnel is right to grow your business. Just go to michellelevans.com forward slash quiz to take the quick quiz and I'll show you exactly how to get started. You can experience for yourself exactly how the persuasion pillars work so you can put them to use in your own business. All right. I hope you have an amazing week and I'll see you back here next week. Same time, same place for another great episode of the Marketing Funnel Show. See you then.